1: The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com.
0: Hello everybody and welcome in. it is... The Tuesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the WOW Business Studio. Get the speed you need with super-fast business internet when you switch to WOW. Visit wowforbusiness.com. Hour number one of The Drive brought to you by Kia of Auburn and kiaofauburn.com, where you're always number one. They also sponsor the hotline, 334-321-1390. That's 334-321-1390. Would love to hear from you. Uh, we've got a, uh, you know, we've got a, a fun Tuesday show. As far as I know, uh, with Barrett Salee at the bottom of the hour, and Jake Crane in the five o'clock hour. I'm I'm assuming that's correct. I haven't heard otherwise. Uh, Bill Cameron on vacation this week. He'll be back on Tuesday. No drive on Monday. It's July fourth. Uh, no drive on Friday. We're taking a four day weekend. As a matter of fact, I believe all of the I believe all of the ESPN 106.7 live and local, uh, the Lucky Seven, uh, the seven hours of original programming we do here on ESPN 106.7 every single weekday with the uh, Max Roundtable and then on the line, and of course uh, the uh, the flagship, the Mothership show. Uh, this uh, this one right here. Uh, but you know, the uh, we're all taking Friday off. We're all taking Monday off. Uh, plan accordingly. Uh, but we will be back on Tuesday, and Bill Cameron should be back from his vacation by then. As well, so uh, look, ho- hoping uh, I talked to Bill last night. I had urgent fantasy baseball uh, questions to uh, interrupt his vacation with. So uh, I, I do know that his vacation is going well and the uh, the weather has for the most part cooperated so we'll hear we'll hear more about Bill's adventure in Pensacola Beach when he is back in the meantime love to hear from you 334-321-1390 the uh, drive text box three three four five six four eighteen forty 1840 the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors our good friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors nothing really uh, nothing really urgent uh you know we we had a I had a great show yesterday with Brian Matthews uh, and if you uh, if you missed any of that you can check out the podcast uh, at espnau.com or au aunetwork.com find the podcast center listen to the drive that way or search for the drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform you can listen to the show that way I had a great show yesterday with Brian talking about all the recruiting news and sort of his view on uh what I would call a a course correction or or a uh, you know at, at the very least a you know a, a a concerted change from what auburn's coaches were doing initially uh, th- this auburn coaching staff or or Brian Harson in particular what they were doing sort of initially versus what they've been doing in the last few months which according to Brian and a couple other recruiting folks that we talked to has been more fruitful more successful even if you're not seeing commitments it's still been more encouraging than the initial, uh, recruiting results, uh, that, that Auburn was getting from its, uh, from its approach. So yeah, Brian wrote about that, uh, yesterday. He followed it up on, on auburnsports.com, sort of tracking, uh, the incoming and outgoing transfers, uh, for the Auburn football team. And it has been, Auburn has been in a, in a climate where players are leaving schools to go play at other schools more than ever before because of the transfer portal and other things. Um, and, and and the rules, I mean, obviously the immediate eligibility, probably the, the, the main thing, the main reason why you're seeing more transfers than, than ever before. Kids don't have to sit out a year like they used to. But even in a climate where you're seeing more of that than ever before, you're still seeing maybe more at Auburn than at most places. And there's, there's you know, it, it's also at places that have either recently made a coaching change or just made a coaching change in the last, you know, either in in the last few seasons or just last season you're seeing more turnover at those places but it's been a busy uh, off season for auburn with you know in, in a in, in a year that was probably as busy as any in the world of like college football off season headlines when you think about the coaches that switched to different schools and the quarterbacks that switched, the the big-time quarterbacks that decided to go play uh, somewhere else, including uh, Bo Nix here at Auburn. But, I mean, and and that's sort of an endemic of it, too. I mean, if in in a different year, someone like Bo Nix making a change would be one of the biggest college football stories, probably nationally, someone with as many starts to his name as Bo Nix for an SEC school jumping to a different school... Like that would be the headline, or, or one of the headlines of the college football offseason, and instead, it's you know not not a blip on the radar around here, but it was one of I mean it's on a, it's on a long list of things that occurred uh, in the last nine months or so of of college football, last seven months of college football, and so uh, yeah, it's it's uh, at Auburn. Next year, the roster could look very different than it did on Opening Day, uh, 2021, and uh, that's not all. It's not all bad news. Auburn has brought in some players they're excited about, and some players are developing that Auburn is excited about. Brian Matthews went into detail on that at auburnsports.com as well. But we might take a look at sort of uh, s- some of the highest profile transfers coming in and, and where Brian thinks they uh, that they could uh, could slot in because I thought that was a really interesting piece uh, that he did on that fine website and again, if you missed any of yesterday 's show uh, check out uh, albert uh, there 's also Audio from Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl, who, uh, you know, I talked to the media since the NBA draft Thursday night where uh, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler became the first Auburn teammates to go in the first round of the same NBA draft in school history. Uh, Walker uh, headed to the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves after a draft night trade with the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Jabari Smith surprisingly slipping to 3 and being taken by the Houston Rockets although from a uh, you know from from a standpoint of where Jabari Smith would maybe be uh, of the of the places in the lottery at least uh, that um, uh, maybe the most ideal landing spot for Jabari Smith considering the direction of the franchise and uh, the promise of uh, Jalen Green, who is now Jabari's uh, teammate uh, on the on the Rockets, uh, Jabari headed to Houston uh, with the third overall pick. Bruce Pearl uh, spoke to the media about both Walker and Jabari, and uh, and we uh, we were able to uh, yeah we'll see if we can run some of that if there's time a little bit later in the show. Yesterday, Brian uh, mentioned uh, the. Uh, the basketball practice that he was able to watch with some other beat writers. And, uh, it's, it's a really, I mean, I, I am, I know it's a few months away, but, but this is a really intriguing roster for the Auburn men's basketball team that they've assembled between the experience at, uh, at different positions, uh, that they've brought in in Joe Nye Broom and that they bring back, uh, in some of the, uh, the veteran backcourt players, Alan Flanagan, uh, Zepp Jasper, uh, plus some of the new, uh, the new arrivals to college basketball. Brian Matthews just yesterday was raving about Johan Treori, uh, who would be, I mean, he's on the short list of the highest profile basketball recruits Auburn has ever signed. And so uh, it's, its again, like sort of, sort of getting back to the Bo Nix thing. These things can get lost in the shuffle when what used to be extraordinary and unprecedented becomes somewhat commonplace. And it, it's... I mean, it's not commonplace for Auburn to sign a five-star basketball player, but we're closer to that than we used to be. I mean, we're closer to uh, to, to it being uh, routine uh, for one of the best basketball players in the country to choose Auburn, based on at least what's happened in, in the last few years under Bruce Pearl. And it wasn't all that long ago that that was science fiction, right? The notion that not 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 only the notion that a top basketball player would pick Auburn, given other Superpower options in the world of college basketball, but that it would happen with regularity, right? That it would happen year after year. And that's, again, you know, as, as though, as though you need another sort of reminder of the remarkable tenure that Bruce Pearl is having at Auburn. Um, and, and, and really the, what he's done in college basketball, uh, this, this would be, this would be that reminder. Right, like this. This, I mean, it's 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 Johan Traore among other players on this on this basketball team, and and Brian also singled out uh, Chance Westry and 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 uh, Trey Donaldson as options that people should not forget about or, uh, or or count out. So yeah, looking forward to hearing more sort of reports about what people get to see from the basketball team in the limited glimpses they get before this team goes to uh, Israel. They're they're headed to Israel. It's uh, it's end of end of July. Uh, we looked up the dates yesterday. It's end of July, and believe they get back the week classes start a couple of days before classes start in in August. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a and and that'll be a, a fruitful trip, I'm sure. You know, traveling internationally seems to always uh, you know be be a good thing for uh, uh, for 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 teams as far as bonding and and you know getting to see the world and you know, I'm I'm all I'm all for international travel. You know, I'm not I'm not one of those. Right, like go go see the world if if you have the opportunity. So it's uh yeah, looking uh, looking forward to hearing more about this team because you do bring back some if you want to call them known quantities. I mean Zepp, Jasper, and Wendell Green and and Katie Johnson are veteran players, but there's still the possibility for improvement with any of them. They were just in their first year with Auburn last year, and and in the case of Zepp and Wendell, it was their first year of SEC or major conference basketball. Alan Flanagan spent the whole year. Recovering from uh, uh, the, the the collision with the scooter, and I wish I wish it wasn't such a silly sounding vehicle because it's a really it's a serious injury. I mean, Alan Flanagan, you know, had his had 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 his career disrupted, and I mean it's it sounds it sounds like he is back at athletically to what he was a year ago, or maybe even beyond that. Not just from the numbers that you you saw from the NBA Combine. That Allen excelled at, but also just from practice yesterday, reports that that Allen Flanagan looks pretty good. But I mean, that that's another thing to watch for. Sort of, I mean, he's he's still he spent all year working his way back uh, from the Achilles injury uh, that that he suffered when he when he was hit by by that vehicle. Uh, so uh, yeah, hope hopefully uh, hopefully Allen Flanagan, you know, a, another wild card in this in this Auburn basketball season uh, can uh, can round into form. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. But if we get the opportunity, we'll run some uh, some Bruce Pearl a little bit later in the show. We're going to try to talk uh, with Barrett Salee. Uh, we're probably going to ask him some SEC football questions. I saw the, uh, I think it was the, the Birmingham News, the AL.com poll uh, yesterday, which uh, they, they published the, the 74th annual poll uh, featuring, uh, you know, their, uh, it's the, the post-spring, uh, post-spring SID poll. In the uh, in the SEC, the Ail dot com preseason SEC football poll. Uh, what they do is, and they've been doing it for uh, you know over a century, the 76th uh, straight year uh, that the Birmingham News and or Ale.com is is compiling uh, this poll. They published it uh, yesterday. Craig Stevenson uh, has it on Ale.com uh, and it was uh, uh, they poll the the athletic directors in the SEC and they ask them to predict the order of finish one through 13 in the conference. You're not allowed to vote for your own team. So you have to vote for the other 13 teams where you think they're going to do 1 through 13 and then you also predict the order of finish in each division in the SEC. So it's not it's not surprising that Alabama and Georgia are your are your preseason favorites uh, according to the uh, according to the conference or according to the conference's uh, athletic directors. Alabama got 11 of the 14 uh, number one votes, but keep in mind Alabama can't vote for themselves. So Alabama got eleven of thirteen uh, available uh, number one votes. Georgia got the uh, Georgia got the other three. So no one in the SEC predicted anyone other than Alabama or Georgia to win the conference this year. I was well, actually, it's uh, let's see here. After that, you've got Alabama and Georgia each uh, each getting uh, first and second place votes. Uh, team, yeah, and and they they were each they were each picked to win, uh, they were each picked to win the division by all of the other six athletic directors within the division. So each of the um, Alabama got six of the seven first place votes, all six available first place votes in the West. Georgia got all six first place votes in the uh, in in the East, and then you've got I mean beyond that, it, it feels and we've been saying this, it's wide open in the SEC West when you get past alabama um the uh that and and i mean you you look in a m and A&M and l s u each got a second place vote i was surprised to see a uh, and m got a second place vote in in this i, mean, I was actually i was surprised to see l s u got a second place vote in this poll and m getting two votes i mean it's it's trendy i would be- i would be surprised if texas a and m was one of the two best teams in the s e c this year but it you know it, it, i suppose it uh it has to happen uh, but the, uh, the the order of finish according to the conference sids as compiled by the uh, the al.com birmingham news poll you've got uh, the first or the the number one team was alabama uh, then number two is uh, georgia texas a&m was picked third arkansas fourth remarkable to think about like the the arkansas team that had a double digit conference losing streak snapped early in the 2020 season right early in uh early early in in the uh, in, in the tenure i mean you you've, you've got i mean it, it's it's a, a remarkable thing for for arkansas to be already projected as as fourth uh with uh with, with what they've got going on there in uh in, in fayetteville kentucky fifth tennessee six lsu seven You get into the second half of the uh, of the SEC, uh, so that's uh, that's Alabama, Georgia, A and M, LSU, or I'm sorry, Alabama, Georgia, A and M, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, one through seven in the first half of this poll. Second half, Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, projected to finish. That would be ninth in the SEC, sixty-one votes uh, overall on the, on the 13 ballots. Uh, so you've got Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, Mississippi state, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, uh, was chosen last on all 13 ballots. This again is the ale.com, Birmingham news, preseason SEC poll. When you get into the division, uh, the, the division projections. And again, remember that was just voted on uh, by the SIDs within the division. Uh, so the, uh, so so Auburn had 6 votes within the division. One vote for third place, one vote for fourth place, uh, two votes for fifth place and two SIDs picking Auburn to finish last in the SEC West. And one thing that was striking is that there are four different teams that were picked by at least one SID to finish last in the SEC West this year LSU Ole Miss Auburn and Mississippi State each received a, at least one last place vote uh, from the uh, from the rest of the SIDs in the SEC West and and all the more amazing to think Arkansas who was in uh, you know they they were they were last place in the SEC West for I mean the tail end of I mean the beginning of Chad Morris you know is the entire uh, Ch- Chad Morris run, uh, but I mean the, the way things sort of went off the rails there in Arkansas, it's uh, I mean it, it, it's, it's remarkable to think that they're not one of the teams that someone thinks could finish last in the SEC West this year. Veteran offensive line and a veteran quarterback uh, have a lot to do with that, but LSU, will Miss, Auburn, and Mississippi State each receiving at least one last place vote for the SEC West, which speaks to how wide open uh, the SEC West appears to be with Five, six different teams believing they could be uh, second or third, if not first, in the SEC West this year. And someone is is going to have to finish last. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. We're going to talk with Barrett Salee about that and a whole lot more when we, uh, when we get to the bottom of the hour. In the meantime, we're going to uh, take our first break. We'll be back. You're listening to The Drive.
1: The Drive continues. 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 continues The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Silicaga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back
0: in Tuesday edition of the Drive. Dan Peck in the Wow Business Studio. Bill Cameron on vacation. He will be back next week. Uh, we have uh, Barrett Salee. Uh, we believe uh, we're, we're going to talk with uh, with our buddy Barrett uh, in the uh, in the next segment. lot of different things going on. Not only SEC Media Days a few weeks away uh, with the uh, with the football season around the corner. Baseball season heating up uh, with the. Trade deadline, uh, just about six weeks away. We're, we've got the All Star break in a few weeks. So we'll talk some baseball with Barrett Salee as well. Jake Crane coming up in hour number two as well from Crane and Company. We have, uh, we have audio from Bruce Pearl. This is right after the NBA draft. Bruce talked with, uh, uh some folks on the Auburn Beat and they, uh, they made this audio available for us, which is, uh, a, 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 a nice, um, yeah, nice thing by them to, uh, to, to make it to where we, we can, uh, we, we got, this is, uh, he he talks about Jabari, and then we've got also Bruce talking about uh, Walker Kessler after both of them were uh, drafted Thursday night in the NBA draft in Brooklyn. And uh, here's uh, here's Bruce Pearl, Auburn basketball coach, talking about uh, the third overall pick, highest pick in Auburn school history, third overall pick Jabari Smith going to the Houston Rockets on Thursday night.
2: Um, they were so excited for Jabari and his family. Um. You know, it was uh it was wonderful to be down there on the floor uh before the draft with uh Jabbar and his family and Walker and his family. Um those guys were two of the easiest guys I've ever coached. And um they've got such great people around them. I, I just couldn't be happier. Um you know, Pablo and Chet were kind of always one two, one two, one two out of high school and for the last few years. And then, obviously, with the kind of year that Jabari had uh, and his brilliance in, in certain areas, you know, there was a lot of momentum for him to be able to go number one. Um, and that would have been a bit of an upset just from the standpoint of where those guys had been ranked over the last several years. Um, you know, the fact that he gets to go to Houston, um, a pretty good basketball town. And a really good organization. Um, I'm excited for him. Uh, I'm happy for him. And uh, absolutely disappointed, you know, that he he wasn't the number one player taken in the NBA draft. That's a real prize. Um, But but also now understanding that um, he's going to go to a really good young club with really good pieces. And um, not have the pressure of having to live up to the number one, you know, spot.
3: All right, guys and just a reminder if you have a question um put it in the chat we'll start with uh Cody Stutes
4: Coach appreciate the time tell us a little bit about Jabari the 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 young man what does he bring to the table from a work ethic standpoint from a basketball IQ standpoint we've seen the success on the court but the behind the scenes the little things how
2: well he does those things yeah it's it's all the off the court stuff that makes him unique and and special um you know first off there's a different level of discipline this kid's been in the gym at six o'clock in the morning for a time he was a ninth grader every day five days a week um and he's got a routine to his workout that gives him great great confidence um he's, he's not a party guy he ain't going out at night um he's in the gym he's working on his body he's working on his game and he's a, he's a young man. He's playing video games. He's hanging out with his friends. He's um, competitive. Like, he doesn't want to lose at anything. He wins sprints. He wins three-on-three shell. Um, when we, whatever game we're playing, he's keeping score. And so he's an incredible competitor. He's a great teammate. Um, he understands that in order to win, it takes more than him. So he pours into his teammates. They become friends. They become brothers. They become family. And he get and he obviously gets that. I guess the last thing there is there's a little toughness to him too. Uh, his dad was a his dad was a bad man, a big bad man as a as a player, uh, and his mom is just a sweet, wonderful Christian woman. So he gets the he he gets the, he gets the best of both worlds. So. Uh, he will be an NBA all-star. There's no
3: doubt in my mind. All right, go to Jeff Spiegel.
5: Yeah, Bruce. Um, Jabari just said that he was going to have kind of a chip on his shoulder
1: You know, after falling from first to third. Uh, what kind of edge do you expect him to come out and play with uh, considering what's happened?
2: Yeah, just go ahead and poke the bear. Just, just go ahead and poke him. They poked him. I wouldn't want to be Orlando or, or 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 OKC in those matchups. I just that's just that's just how he is. He keeps score. Now listen, not the first time that Jabari's been overlooked. Like he wasn't a guy that was offered by every single blue blood program. And when I say blue blood, I, I say that out of all respect and compliments to the greatest programs in college basketball. And so Jabari's not. He's 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 used to having being overlooked just a little bit. Uh, and so, you know what? I'll talk, he'll walk, and, uh, and we'll see.
0: That's uh, Auburn's head coach, Bruce Pearl, answering some questions about the latest Houston Rocket, uh, Jabari Smith. Uh, who was drafted third overall Thursday night in the NBA draft. Some questions there from Houston media about uh the uh, the player that the Rockets are getting in Jabari Smith and Bruce uh, obviously very uh uh you know very effusive in his praise for uh the uh, the young forward uh believing that uh Jabari has all the makings of a future NBA all-star. And that is I mean we had we had somebody asking us about that last week and it's it's so dangerous. I mean you have A lot of first-round picks. And the first overall picks have a generally pretty good record over the last uh, 20, 30 years of of turning into uh, all-stars or or even uh, historically great players in some cases. When you get outside the first overall pick to the, the top five or the lottery... It, it becomes much more of a dice roll, so there, there's nothing guaranteed uh, in the NBA when it comes to what a player is going to turn into. Uh, but Jabari Smith seems to have all the uh, all the tools. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with Bruce about uh, whether or not the foundation is there uh, for Jabari Smith to one day be a very special NBA player. We're going to be back with Barrett Salif from CBS Sports and Sirius XM joining us after the break. You're listening to the Drive. Stick around.
1: churn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390 toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com Welcome back
0: in. Tuesday edition of the Drive Hour, number one, Dan Peck in the WOW Business Studio. Bill Cameron on vacation. He is in Pensacola Beach, but probably listening. So we all need to do a good job, uh, no matter uh, no matter uh, what urges uh, we get here. 334-321-1390 is the number to But We're going to put the phones on hold for just a moment because we're going to reach out to one of our favorites from CBS Sports and Sirius XM Radio. Barrett Salee joins us on the Tuesday edition of the drive. How are you doing, Barrett?
3: I'm doing great.
0: How are you, Dan? I'm, I'm doing all right. Barrett, you have an hour to accept this offer. All right, you you uh, <laughs> just like just like Freddie Freeman's agents, right? You've got a what in the world is is going on with so so Freddie Freddie canned his agents and is currently listed as. Uh, as uh, well, by the way, we're, we're going to talk Braves. Uh, we're going to talk <laughs> baseball before we get into any SEC football stuff. Although I do want to talk about the the, the SEC poll uh, from the the Birmingham News, ale dot com, and and some other things as well. Uh, but but let's let's get to Freddie Freeman and his and his management situation first, Barrett. What what in the world is going on?
3: I mean, I think uh, honestly, I think part of this was orchestrated. I mean, it's been no secret around here. Freddie's been upset with how this whole thing went down. Uh, really before he even signed with the Dodgers. Um, but what are you going to do? Like, fire your agent before the homecoming or and, and make it a huge story that you're back and you're unhappy with with how the negotiations went? Or are you going to get through it and then fire him after? I, I think this is probably response. He's angry. He wants to be here. Go, like okay it's one thing to have Friday night right cry in front of your reporters for 20 minutes go out and get the ring and you know have some more shed some more tears and all the other stuff but he was a mess all weekend and you know I think it's clear that the story that Buster wrote right after spring training about how crazy the negotiations were is completely accurate he wants to be here uh, he knows he can't come back right this very second um, but he also knows he can't make his he couldn 't make his homecoming any more difficult for the fans than than it already was, and I think that was sort of the genesis of
0: it yeah i'm I'm more convinced as a as a dodgers sympathizer i'm I'm more convinced uh than than ever before that m- maybe deep down Freddie Freeman did want to stay in Atlanta for the best deal he could get from the Braves, and the Dodgers were sort of leverage but when the best offer was from you know after the after the Olsen trade uh when, when the best offer was from the Dodgers or or at least one of the best offers was from the Dodgers because there's also the story that maybe there was a, a bigger contract from the AL East and he chose the Dodgers over that contract uh you know I, I think may, maybe plan A wasn't necessarily you know accepting the the best deal possible from the Dodgers but once once uh you know the 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 machinations were made, and uh, the you know the Braves only had an hour to accept a, a very big contract for a 32 year old first baseman, uh, you know, and and they decided maybe not to go that way. Uh, Freddie Freeman ended up in LA. Yeah,
3: it's exactly what happened, and you know I think it's just a gross mismanagement by his agent and Freddie. You know, obviously, you know it's Freddie's decision ultimately, but to, to not inform. Freddie of the two deals and the deadline that you were setting as an agent. That's just like malpractice. That's just terrible, especially knowing that the Braves have basically had had a long standing five year offer. Like it had been there since the end of the offseason and nothing had really changed with it. So, um, you know, Freddie didn't listen to Chipper. Chipper told him don't play hardball with Alex. And, you know, I think Alex Pantopoulos to his credit recognized. Hey, look, there, there's no time to negotiate after the lockout. Like, something's got to get done. And, and you know, he wasn't going to mess around. Chipper told Freddie that. Freddie didn't necessarily listen or, you know, maybe just didn't convey it to his agent the way that he should have. So, you know, all it, it's but, over with now. Uh, but there's no doubt in my mind he's coming back to the Braves, even if it's for a. You know, victory to or like McCann did. If you, sure,
0: you know. it could be a Pujols Cardinals, you know, situation. You know, eventually for uh, for, for Freddie Freeman, and it does seem like, uh, uh, yeah, I, I imagine that he and his and his management folks were somewhat blindsided by the Olson trade. Right? They had to think they had they had the cards, and the Braves would have been scrambling if Freddie had signed somewhere else. And then once Matt Olson is traded, and and the Braves have a contract in place for their new first baseman. You know they're 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 out of the running, and that you know that that obviously may, you know maybe it put a dent into Freddie's value on the open market, even you know even even notwithstanding that he maybe wanted to stay with the Braves in the first place.
3: Yeah, I mean I don't think there's any doubt about that, but you know I think for the Braves to to go ahead and move on, you know the thing is is it's not like they ever came off of an offer. You know they they added a few things here and there in terms of options and things and, in, in, in a contract, but even for the most part, the, the offer never really changed all that much. They're like, look, this is what we're going to do, you know, and just you take it, whatever you want. And then the agent kept, uh, kept trying to negotiate and the Braves are like, look, this is what we can do. Like, we're not doing this. And he didn't believe Alex. And so, you know, g- going out and getting mad, I know Freddie was blindsided by it, but I think he, I mean, he was blindsided by it, but I'm sure he understands, like, look, this is we can't screw around anymore. It's it's you know the lockout's over. There's three weeks until the season. Got to get a first baseman in here.
0: So so moving moving beyond uh, the uh, the Freddie Freeman soap opera and looking at the at the Braves as as they stand now. Trade deadline a few weeks away. I, I know there's some uh, some spots on the team we've discussed where whether it's you know, you know post post uh, Ozzie uh, injury, the the second base, uh, maybe the bullpen. Maybe the starting rotation, maybe a corner outfield spot, depending on what happens with with Acuna and and, and Harris. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to know what what you think the Braves might go looking for, uh, depending on what happens in the month of July.
3: You know, as of now, I think they'll uh, they'll kind of stay in pat. I think they'll they'll look for somebody to replace Bill Gosselin. Um, you know, they went out and got Bill Gosselin uh, last offseason, and he was sitting there waiting to be called up, but, you know, there are better utility players, utility infielders out there. You know, you you don't necessarily want to risk Arcea, you know, maybe going through a lull, so finding somebody like that, um, you know, to, to sort of bounce around, I think, you know, back like Johan Camargo before he sucked, something like that, you know, back a few years ago, because Camargo was really good in, in 19. Um, other than that, I, I, think, I think they'll be fine. Maybe a bullpen piece, you're right, but, um, you know, I think the Rosario is coming back, and I think if Rosario comes back and can actually see the baseball, then I feel he'll still be pretty darn good.
0: It it, it does give you hope, you know, the idea that he had a vision problem, and that's right, that's why he started the season three for 50 or whatever it was, and and he's, you know, he's since corrected that vision problem and hitting the ball a little bit better uh, in his his rehab assignment. That does give you hope that Eddie Rosario, you know, the book might not be uh, closed on on what Eddie Rosario can provide to the Atlanta Braves. I, I do wonder about second base. You know, I, I do wonder if, if Atlanta would think, you know, that that's that could be the difference in a in a in a national league where, you know, it you, you want to try to avoid having uh, many weaknesses at all because some of the some of the best teams aren't going to have all that many. I, I do wonder if if second base might be somewhere where the Braves could upgrade, especially if somebody has a fire sale. You know what I mean? There there could be uh, uh no, yeah. th- th- there could there could be an infielder that that provides uh, m- more more offense than any uh, current option Atlanta has uh, available somewhere. Uh, you know, Whit-, Whit Merrifield has has been mentioned before. You know, the 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 Royals' second baseman. But you know, I think there could be you know across baseball uh, some some pieces that that could maybe help Atlanta if they uh you know if they want to if they want to do what they did uh they're, they're probably not going to have to go as as drastically as they did into the trade market. But uh, there there could be spots where Atlanta can upgrade.
3: There could be. I think there'd be reluctance to do it for prospects though, uh, or at least multiple prospects. I mean, because what they gave up for the for Matt Olson, you know that that went from a pretty loaded phone system to just okay really quickly. So I don't think they'd wheel in to unload a ton, but yeah, I mean, I think if, if, if Merrifield's available hundred percent, but, um, you know, I think that there'll be, there won't be as, as aggressive this year as they were last year. Uh,
0: pr- probably we're talking with Barrett Saleh from CBS sports and Sirius XM on the Tuesday edition of the drive. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you, Barrett Pro- probably, uh, uh, probably not. I, speaking of the uh, of the Matt Olson trade, you know I, I don't know if, I don't know if the A's inquired about Michael Harris, but if they did, and Atlanta said no, it was the right move because he looks uh, special uh, to start his uh, his major league baseball career. I was within not to get nerdy fantasy baseball about this. I was within. I, I traded uh, demer, uh, demerit to somebody a couple of days yeah. before he was DFA'd, and and the Braves called up Michael Harris. And in our league, that's how you decide who gets rights to people. So I was I was days away from from turning Travis Demerit into Michael Harris before somebody else was able to uh, somebody somebody else was able to do it because I, I threw Demerit in in a trade. So it's painful for me to watch Michael Harris play like this, and I suspect he's going to play like this for a while.
3: Yeah, he's not going back to the minors. He's not going back to the bench right now. Um, he's he's been awesome. So it'll be interesting to see what they do when Rosario gets back. I mean, um, you've got Ozuna. Uh, as a uh, as a pseudo DH, pretty much all the time now. The um, you sit all, I mean, because Duval's been awful. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think they might be in a, uh, in a in a in a little bit of a spot where they have too many riches out there. If Rosario comes back and Acuna stays healthy, and um, you know, and it's it's, 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 it's going to be interesting to see how they orchestrate that. Do any of
0: those guys play second base? Any of those? Any of those guys know how to do that? Because <laughs> that, that, that would that maybe so. I, I don't know. I can't imagine Duvall. I I have a hard time imagining Duvall flipping the double that play. That would be weird, right? <laughs> I have a hard time seeing him. You know, turning the uh, turning turning two. Um, so let's let's move to college football a little bit because because ale. Uh, it was yesterday they published their preseason SEC football poll where they talked to the SEC's athletic directors uh, and and sort of published their results the, uh, the the first one the, the article mentions first one without Charles Hollis uh, who who'd been doing it for uh, for for decades wanted to wanted to include that as well S- something that stood out to me not surprising to see Alabama and Georgia get all the first place votes and all, all the first place votes within the divisions four different teams in the SEC West were picked by at least one SID to finish last which is a testament yep. to how wide open this this division appears to be. I mean, I think there are probably six teams that think they got a real they, they got a real shot of finishing second if if things break right for them, and if and if it's a house of cards and things collapse, they they could be one one of the one of the two worst teams in the division this year.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that that's reasonable because you know it is Alabama and everybody else, and you look at everybody else, they can all make bowl games. You know, they all did. You know, so I, and I think that. If that's going to be the, you know, the way they enter the season, then, yeah, you catch a couple breaks and, and things go your way, and maybe you are Ole Miss from last year going to the Sugar Bowl. So, you know, I think that's it, – that, it's not a sign of parity, I guess, because, you know, Alabama's, you know, the, the consensus top team in the division. But, um, you know, I think it, it is definitely a, a nice reflection and an a, and a interesting development – to, to think that wow, this SEC West season, even though Alabama is going to be the favorite and probably will win, is going to be incredibly wild, and that's something that I hope you know stays as a storyline. Because a lot of times we just focus on the playoff. Uh, you know, having an SEC West as competitive as it looks like it'll be will be a lot of fun.
0: So a uh, And M got a uh, And M got six second place votes in the in the SEC West. And I thought it was odd that. Uh, Alabama's SID apparently voted for apparently voted for LSU, right? Because Alabama got six first place votes in the West, and then there's another first place vote. You're not allowed to vote for yourself, so the other first place vote went to LSU, which is an an odd pick. But uh, you know, I think I think you know whatever. Uh, But do do you think there's any do do you think there's anything to the idea that there's some separation between A and M and the other five teams in the SEC West, or do you think there's uh, do, do you think it's it's pretty it's pretty bunched up uh, in, in a in a group that includes uh, Texas A and M uh, with Arkansas, LSU, Auburn, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State?
3: No, I don't think the gap for A and M is is even a gap. I think Ole Miss is better, uh, and I think A and M will you know have a hard time getting through that entire you know division. You know they're a four and four co- uh, conference team. That's just kind of what they've always been. So if you yeah, I think Ole Miss. The offense is going to be extremely dangerous, and those other teams are ultra talented and certainly not light years behind anybody other than Alabama in the division. So, uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure. I, I'm convinced right now that at the A and L hype is just that. It's hype. I mean, if you're talking about a Jimbo Fisher offense with basically a brand new quarterback, um, you know, whether it be you know transfer Max Johnson or um, you know, Haynes King, who played five quarters last year, um, that that's a hard sell. Especially considering they're going to be relying on a ton of new defensive linemen up front too. So, um, I just it, it's hard to it's hard to find a way to trust Texas A and in my mind.
0: So, if you were in the Alabama SID's position in this poll, where you had to vote for a team to finish first in the SEC West, and you weren't allowed to choose Alabama, you had to pick one of the other six teams. Would you have picked Ole Miss?
3: Oh, 100%. 100%. I think Ole Miss is closer to Alabama than Texas A&M is to Ole Miss. I think I think it's a pretty significant gap uh, because I just think Ole Miss, with their offensive weapons and how versatile they are, uh, that versatility offensively um, combined with Lane Kiffin, it's pretty darn.
0: Scary. I was gu- I was going to ask how much of that is just unabashed love for for Lane Kiffin and and the way and the way he gets it done. That's a good bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. hey. There's a another. I used to overrate Houston Nuts teams all the time. So you know, I know, I know, uh, I know, uh, and Spurrier at South Carolina before he got it rolling too. So I know how you know a cult of personality uh, can uh, can work in these things. Who do you think is playing quarterback? You think it's Jackson Dart at, at Ole Miss?
5: I think
3: it'll be jack I think he's fine if it if it's Luke Altmyer, but yeah, I think it'll be Jackson Dart. I think they you know he's he's i guess comfortable with what they run because it is sort of what u s b runs. I think Lane is way more confident that right this very second Luke has more of the playbook at his at his disposal, but the upside for Jackson Dart is there, so yeah, I think it'll be Jackson Dart,
0: yeah, I saw Jackson Dart's good game at at uh at you, at, so he was I think he had a he had a four touchdown it was Washington state it was the it was the first one I saw, I saw Jackson Dart's good game and, and was was really impressed I know that was not necessarily how he played all season uh but I mean he he would have been the starter this year if uh, if, if there hadn't been if, if someone else hadn't shown up in uh, in, in Los Angeles no, so no, no I, I I can understand why why you can believe in a, in, in a Jackson Dart led team Barrett great stuff as always we'll talk about these sorts of things, uh, you know, every week until the season gets here. All right, sounds good. Tell uh, tell everybody how they can find you on your on your various uh, uh, social media platforms and and all the uh, and, and all the uh, the endeavors you've got.
3: Yeah, you can uh, follow me on all the social media sites out there. It's the lead. down with the CBS Sports app. It's uh, strength of schedule week this week uh, on CBS. So we got up, those up for every single conference and. Uh, yeah, also watch uh, CBS Sports HQ, a lot going on this week.
0: Very, very cool. Barrett Silly from CBS Sports. As always, we appreciate the time that he uh, he's, he's able to give us on a Tuesday. Talk to you again soon, Barrett. All
3: right, thanks, y'all.
0: Stick around. We've got more coming up in our number one of the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Might run uh, Bruce Pearl talking about Walker Kessler in our number two. We're also going to talk with Jake Crane from Crane & Company. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. We'll be back. You're listening to The Drive.
1: Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back
0: in. Final segment of hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the WOW Business Studio. Bill Cameron on vacation. Drew at the controls doing a great job. Barrett Salee from CBS Sports and Sirius XM joined us in the previous segment. Great stuff with Barrett about the Braves and... About uh, his thoughts on the SEC West and how wide open things appear to be, especially when you get past uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, prohibitive favorite Alabama uh, and into the uh, the other six teams and where they could uh, stack up potentially in the division, and if Alabama falters, uh, who could maybe maybe make a run for the division crown. We'll talk about that more, not just in hour number two, uh, but as the uh, as the season approaches. Uh, Jake Crane from the J-Boy Show will join us in the uh, in the bottom of the hour next hour. Love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. If you missed any of Barrett, check out the podcast, ESPNAU.com, uh, AUnetwork.com, go to the podcast center, or just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform. We've got some more Bruce Pearl audio uh, for hour number two. Uh, Bruce talked about uh, the uh, Walker Kessler getting drafted, the second Auburn player taken in the first round of the NBA draft on Thursday night. The first time ever that two Auburn players taken in the first round of the same NBA draft. Uh, Jabari was the highest drafted Auburn player ever in the NBA draft, going third overall uh, to the Houston Rockets. Walker going to the Minnesota Timberwolves in a trade. Bruce uh, talking about the uh, kind of player that the Timberwolves are getting and how Walker uh, could fit in uh, to what Minnesota is trying to do right now on a team with some talented young players, right? Minnesota's got former number one overall picks, Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, both from the SEC. And they've also got uh, the uh, they've also got D'Angelo Russell, uh, who was uh, a top three pick uh, in the NBA draft a couple of years ago from uh, Ohio State, the point guard who's uh, been a uh, well, he's been he's a, he's had ups and downs, but also a solid NBA starter. So we're going to hear uh, some thoughts about Walker's prospects as well. Love to hear from you three three four three two on one thirteen ninety. We're going to start hour number two with Brett, who is on the phone. Brett, hang on. We will get to you when we return. You are listening to the Tuesday edition of the Drive. Stick around.
1: 294 AR Auburn, WGCCHD3 Waverly, Auburn Opelika's Sports Leader, ESPN 1067, a broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com.
0: Welcome back in, hour number two of the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Long dramatic pause as I desperately wanted to remember what day it was and not say the wrong one. Dan Peck in the WOW Business Studio. You can get the speed you need with super fast business internet when you switch to WOW. Visit wowforbusiness.com to find out more. Hour number two of The Drive, brought to you by our good friends at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika, on the web at orthoclinic.com. Kia of Auburn Hotline, 334-321-1390. Southeastern Industrial Contractors Text Box, 334-564-1840. Going to talk with Jake Crane from Crane & Company at the bottom of the hour. Some college baseball wrap-up. Uh, we're going to uh, talk to him about uh, some, uh, some thoughts on the upcoming SEC football season and a whole lot more. Love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Uh, we we're uh, uh, we're going to run some, some Bruce Pearl talking about Walker Kessler getting drafted and traded to the Timberwolves as well, time permitting. But Brett's been hanging on uh, since the uh, tail end of the last hour and wanted to get right to him. Brett, thanks for hanging on. Great to hear from you. You're on. Dan, I've been on perma hold here. That's right. Didn't didn't uh, wanna, didn't want to cut you short with the music in the uh, in, in the last in the last segment. So thanks for uh, holding on. I promised we'd get right to you.
5: I hear you. Hey, I think it's uh, very interesting to hear all this uh, talk from Barrett Sally and the Braves fans about Freddie Freeman. I'll, nobody knew about the contract. I sorry, I don't believe that both sides didn't know about the hundred thirty five million or more contract. I mean. Things like that just don't happen. Now, the Braves went and got Olsen mainly because they weren't paying, going to pay more than $135 million. And, oh, according to the Braves now, Olsen is this great first baseman, you know, just as good as Freddie Freeman. That's all I heard back in the spring. And on top of that... Uh, I guess that's a nice little story to tell for a while. After the Dodgers take three or four, and then two or three from the Braves this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, you
5: know,
0: I, I don't, I don't think you're too wrong about any of that. I mean, I, I think even if some, even if the germ of this story is true that Freddie Freeman maybe thinks that looking back, his agents mishandled negotiations with the Braves, with the ultimatum, and things like that. I think trying to paint that as Freddie Freeman is unhappy as a Dodger or regrets leaving. I mean, we we maybe need more information before we before we make that you know, that, that kind of judgment.
5: Yeah, but even if he's not you know, he, he might wish he was back in line, but you know what? <laughs> when you turn down a hundred and thirty five million dollar contract, you know. For- Sometimes you just gotta deal with life. I mean,
0: yeah, you sorry. know, I mean and That's if he's, what, if if he's that angry he can he can drive on the Pacific yeah. he can drive on the Pacific Coast highway and look at his bank account and he'll he'll be he'll cheer right up, right?
5: No doubt. Hey, second thing. I uh, thought I heard you kinda sound like you were suspicious or curious about the uh, Ole old miss as being the second best team because from what I see they lost two offense starting offensive linemen. They, they, they did get one in the portal who could. I, I don't see that any better. The the two running backs they got, this guy from TCU, isn't better than Snoop. What, what Snoop Connor Ely? Really. He, he's just not. He's never been a guy who can throw it up there and there and push the pile back. And plus in the SEC, you're not running against SMU and you know. And it's, little, not, uh, it's not it's not
0: it's not the Big Twelve for a running back. Running no, backs often find no, that no.
5: out. That this will be big boy football, but the big thing is, if anyone think, yeah, this dark guy, he, he might he might become a good quarterback, but he can't throw the ball as good as Corral. And I can assure you, I stake my life on it, I know he can't run the ball as good. Corral was a huge weapon running the ball. Ole Miss is not going to be this wonderful team this year, unless their schedule is just unbelievably easy, which. Normally it is, but,
0: but you you play in the SEC. Right. But you play in the SEC West. How easy can it be, right? I mean, you got You got to find wow. a way to win those other six games against teams that are. Are you know? I I don't I don't disagree with you about any point you raised about Ole Miss this year. But at the same time, I don't know what my answer would have been if I were asked the question about you have to pick an SEC West champion and you can't pick Alabama. Like I think there's there's reasons to doubt all six of these teams and and in a way where I don't I don't know if there's a clean I mean the Alabama SID in this poll voted for LSU as as they're as they're expected yeah. you know because because they weren't allowed to pick Alabama which I mean that that's just as dubious as picking Ole Miss uh, but but it's uh you know for for different reasons and I I don't think there's a good answer to that question because it, all six of these teams have a case Not true
5: uh, it, I, you, I I actually believe this year, Auburn has a good a chance of beating Ole Miss, Arkansas, LSU, as they did last year. I, I don't see that any of those teams have improved based on personnel. I mean, I I, I do Even understand
0: Arkansas. the the Arkansas argument with with starts on the offensive line and a veteran quarterback and and a system that's been in place at least is is one that's. Somewhat compelling, but it's Arkansas, right? Are we are we ignoring how teams recruit and 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 what these guys were as as recruits a couple of years ago? Like, I mean, I think that places would tell you LSU has more talent on the roster than Arkansas if we're talking about what guys were on signing day. Auburn probably does too. Well, Dan, uh,
5: last thing on Arkansas, you realize they lost three starters on the defensive line. They lost linebackers number two, three, and four. And they lost three starters in the secondary. I'm sorry, but moving the ball on Arkansas, unless you're gosh awful, is not going to be hard. The,
0: the the West, if I will be fascinated to see if at the end of the season, it's clear that there's another team in the West other than Alabama that's head and shoulders better. Like you know, if if there's a situation where there's separation. Between these teams, because there's the potential for it, but there's also the potential for like a lot of four and fours and three and fives. And maybe somebody, maybe somebody completely falls apart. Uh, but, it, but this is, uh, you know, we, we were talking about sort of off the air, we were talking about years past. And one of, the, one of the things that at least seems different to me about this upcoming season is usually the SEC West has a game or two you feel really good about right like you know, like you you think about teams that went through real struggles arkansas probably most yeah. recently but state has certainly had their time uh, in in the box as well like there's usually a team in the sc west you know all right, yeah we're, we're we're beating them for sure it's i mean if if you want to feel that way about mississippi state now uh you know be careful be careful with that one it would it would be my would be my recommendation cuz that's maybe the the easiest candidate but uh you know i think auburn folks know that's that that can that can slip away.
5: Oh, I agree. All right,
0: have a great day. Absolutely, Brett, great stuff. Yeah, this is I mean the 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 West is and, and, and the, the poll that I'm talking about, the AL.com uh preseason poll that they published uh yesterday regarding the uh the, the, the SIDs that they the, the sports information directors in the SEC that were were asked to pick a projected order of finish in the conference. And then they asked folks to pick their own division and the, the the different answers, the way that, uh, I mean, A&M all six, all six SIDs picked A&M to finish second uh, in the West. A&M could have gotten a first place vote from Alabama's SID, but, but they picked LSU uh, instead. Arkansas wasn't picked to finish anywhere worse than fourth, uh, but everyone else got at least one last place vote, which sort of indicates, including Ole Miss, uh, who Barrett Salee in the last hour, Brett was calling about. Uh, Bar- Barrett Salee, you know, I asked him, if, if you weren't allowed to pick Alabama, who, who would you have picked as the first place team in the SEC West this year? You know, who would you project to finish first in the West? And, and Barrett picked Ole Miss, who also got, uh, last place votes. Because, like all of these teams, uh, there are very real questions. And, and it's easy. Part of the reason I'm, I'm pointing this out is because, I think it's easy to focus on the question marks around the Auburn roster this year and forget that there are teams all over the conference and especially all over the SEC West that have also recently made coaching changes and have also lost key players to the transfer portal and uh, are, are having to go into a season with, with different contributors at a position than they were maybe expecting going into this season, so it's 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 uh, uh, perspective uh, to an extent, but it's also, I mean, it's it's uh, it's another reminder that that Auburn is is very much in the fray, and all of the outcomes that we're talking about, there could be a team that separates themselves, there could be a, a you know a logjam of teams, there could be a team that falls apart and is considerably worse than everyone else in the division. You know, all, all of those outcomes are possible for all six. Of these teams that we're talking about, including Auburn, you know it's it's you know when I uh, when I'm asked about what I expect Auburn's win-loss record to be this year, I'm only partially kidding when I say there's a spectrum of four and eight to ten and two because because you know, I I know that's not that's not super helpful, uh, but that it, it's a it's reflective of how many swing games there are on the schedule, how many losable games uh, that that are by definition also winnable games but uh you know how, how many games that that could go either way that that Auburn at least appears uh, to have on the schedule going in and it's another reason why something we talked about a lot yesterday with uh, with Brian Matthews is that the need for Auburn to pick up some momentum early in the season Penn State uh, Missouri LSU it's it's a pivotal stretch for Brian Harson because if Auburn were to if Auburn were to flop in that three game window you wonder if the team's going to be able to pick itself off the mat, going to Athens and going to Ole Miss and hosting Arkansas, and playing A and M and Alabama. I mean, you got a bunch of SEC West games to play after after the LSU game uh, this year. So, I mean, that that's the uh, uh, the stretch to me where I keep thinking, you know, this is this is uh, it, it, and not just about this year, but like about the the viability of Brian Harson's tenure as as Auburn's coach is. I mean, it, it's going to be one way for for better or for worse it's it's going to be evaluated after that three you know after after the week of the Georgia game people are going to be looking at you know how's this how's this thing trending right now is this team 5 and 0 oh and feeling like they can take on the world or or did this team disappoint against Penn State and and LSU and heaven forbid Missouri uh because a lot of tough games on the schedule for Auburn after that they win those games i mean you're You know, it's a reminder how wide open this SEC West is, especially after Alabama. And, you know, the possibility is there that you could be playing some high-stakes football games in the final month of the season. You could go into November, as Auburn often has. You could go into November still very much in the hunt. But that's the goal of all of these teams in the SEC West. And not all of them are going to be in the hunt in November. It's just, that's, uh, that's... that's math, I believe. I believe the mathematically, all of them can. I guess they could all be five hundred. Not, not the way it's probably going to turn out. That would be my guess. I, you know, it's. Um, we've seen some, we've seen some parody before, I, I, I don't think we'll see parody like that. Three, three, four, three, two, one, thirteen, ninety. Good stuff from Brett there at the at the top of the hour, and and again, if you missed any of Barrett Soli, check out the podcast, which is available as soon as we end the show. Drew does a great job. Compiling the podcast commercial-free. I don't think we mentioned that enough when we mentioned the podcast, that it is a commercial-free edition of the show. If you wait until uh, we are done, you can listen to it that way. Uh, ESPNAU.com, uh, network.com, You can uh, also uh, search for The Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform and listen to the show that way. We're going to talk with uh, Jake Crane from Crane & Company at the bottom of the hour talk to him about a lot of different things going on in the world of college football and uh and ask him about some college baseball as well Ole Miss uh bringing the national championship to Oxford first time I know I I I know it's a delicate issue because there's some uh, bogus national championships in football that Ole Miss likes to claim this is the first national championship for a men's team sport in school history for Ole Miss and there is I'm not I'm not casting any doubt on the legitimacy of Ole Miss's baseball championship because they left no doubt uh, with the way they played uh, in the College World Series and since making the tournament. I mean, this was, uh, as, as, the, as the Ole Miss radio crew pointed out in their call of the uh, of the championship, this was one of the last four teams in, and they go from one of the last four teams in to the last team standing in Omaha after beating Oklahoma over the weekend. So we're going to talk with Jake about uh, what he saw out of Ole Miss, and uh, not not just the uh, not not just Ole Miss, but but the entire college baseball season, including uh, a, a a brilliant year uh, for uh, Butch Thompson and the Auburn Tigers as they uh, make it all the way to uh, to the uh, what they're one of the the, the, the Fourth, they're they're like the fourth team still alive. Fifth team still alive, in the uh, I think A and M maybe lasted. I forget. Auburn advancing in the uh, in in the College World Series. They eliminated a team and they weren't uh, they weren't the first team eliminated. So, yeah, great and not to mention winning the Super Regional in Oregon State, winning the regional here at Auburn, beating Florida State and uh and and UCLA uh in that in that regional so some great memories of this season. We'll talk with Jake Crane about that and uh, get his thoughts on the upcoming year in uh, in in college football. Might ask him about uh, Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith in the NBA. As well, uh, speaking of Walker Kessler, we got Bruce Pearl's remarks uh, talking to the media uh, last. Uh, it was late last week uh, when uh, when Bruce uh, spoke about Walker Kessler being drafted into the NBA, drafted by the Memphis Grizzlies, which I know excited a lot of people around here. You've, you've got some uh, folks who are, are Grizzlies fans or John Morant fans, uh, understandably so. Uh, but Walker Kessler heading up to uh, up to Minnesota, a team that really wanted him. They traded up to get him, and uh, and and he figures to be. A a, a a key piece going forward uh for the Minnesota Timberwolves as they attempt to they've got I don't have the contract information in front of me Drew, but I believe they need to keep Carl Anthony Towns happy or or he's going to he's going to be like the next Star NBA player to demand a trade or or leave in free agency or sort of hold a team you don't want to say hold a team hostage because he's exercising his contractual rights but the Timberwolves have to keep Carl Anthony Towns happy or he will uh, or he will decide maybe to take his talents uh, to South Beach as uh, as LeBron James did in in 2010 he could pull a, a LeBron uh, he could he could have the decision coming soon uh for for Carl Anthony Towns and ad, ad, adding Walker Kessler is is maybe part of that strategy by Minnesota to uh, to keep Carl Anthony Towns uh, happy or uh, or even you know sort of lay some lay a foundation uh, for a world uh, where Carl Anthony Towns is left uh, because he is unhappy and they've had to trade him away uh, to somewhere else. Uh, Kevin Garnett did that uh, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, now he put in a, a longer career. I think a longer career. How long has Carl Anthony Towns been there? Maybe it's about Maybe they, but I mean, uh, Garnett was, Garnett was in Minnesota about a decade. And then he, and then he said, trade me to the Celtics. And he won a championship in his first year with the Celtics. And then he made uncut gems. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is, I think he's coming up on about a decade, right? Maybe it's, I think we're in the, it's over, it's been over five years. I think this is going to be, this, this is going to be, so this will be his eighth year in the, uh, in, in the NBA coming up, eighth, eighth season, I think. So, so, uh, yeah, so we're so we're coming up on the uh, on, on on when it would be crucial for the uh, Timberwolves to keep their star uh, happy or uh, provide him a new home uh, somewhere else, and and we'll uh, you know Walker Kessler will how big of a role will Walker Kessler play in that uh, going forward? We will see. But when we come back, we'll have Bruce Pearl's remarks about Walker Kessler being drafted and traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves. You are listening to the Tuesday edition of the Drive. Don't go anywhere.
1: Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com.
0: Welcome back in hour number two of the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the WOW Business Studio. Bill Cameron. Wasting away again in Margaritaville. He'll be, uh, he'll be back uh, next week. We're taking Friday off. We're taking Monday off uh, of the July 4th holiday. But we will be back in full force next week. And at that point, we're less than two weeks away from media days, uh, which is uh, getting underway uh, in Atlanta in in just a uh, just a couple of weeks. And after that, it is all systems go until football season is here. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. We're going to talk with Jake Crane from Crane and Company about uh, the college baseball season and his thoughts on the upcoming college football year. We'll talk to him about some NBA, uh, uh, some, some some Walker Kessler Jabari Smith news as well. Speaking of Walker, here is Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl from. This is uh, this is draft night. I believe he was talking with the media about answering some questions about Walker Kessler becoming uh, the second first-round pick uh, in the uh, in the draft this year from Auburn, and uh, just the uh, first time ever that Auburn has had two uh, first-rounders in the same NBA draft.
2: Before Walker and uh, and his family. Uh, you know, Walker has had to carry the weight of uh, a lot of people that have doubted him. Uh, a lot of people second-guessed him, didn't think he was good enough. Uh, for a long, long time, and uh, he had to fight that. You know that 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 uh, that'll affect your confidence sometimes. Uh, but Walker's got a, got his own inner confidence, and he also knew that his friends and his family and his coaches at Auburn believed in him and uh, empowered him and trusted him, and uh, and he he delivered uh, in in a huge, huge way. Uh, you know, I I felt like Walker. Um, Affected the game as much as any player uh, in college basketball uh, he, he, he dominated the rim on both ends of the floor and so um, And yet and at the same time, I think his game really translates to the next level so um, He's a pro. Uh, he trains like a pro um, He's obviously a great rim protector uh, And he's gonna be a really good NBA three-point shooter and um, and I think he's, I think he's the, 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 uh, an NBA center, the future of where the NBA is. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, where, we, where we thought he could go, and uh, we're really, really, really pleased for him. Two in the top 22.
4: All right, Coach, we've got a couple of new folks that weren't on last time. I guess a question about Jabari and Walker. We'll start with Mark Murphy.
5: Yeah, Bruce, I wanted to ask about how much did uh, Walker improve from the last summer when you first started working with him until the end of the season?
2: Walker proved a lot. Uh, You know, Walker, when Walker first came to campus, we actually had to shut him down for about a month uh, because of, uh, he had worked so hard uh, and trained so hard uh, that he actually had some tendonitis. And uh, so as a result, uh, he was a slow starter uh, in the summertime, Uh, but you could see, uh as as his legs got as he got his legs underneath him got got to work in the the weight room with our strength and conditioning coach you know Damon Davis his body started to get fresh and then his body got jumping and alive and uh you know and when that happened obviously uh he started to play you know really really well and um so I would say there's no question that Walker you know, did, did improve a great deal for the time, you know, we had him in the summertime, uh, you know, through the season.
4: Go to Justin Hokinson.
2: Hey, Bruce. um, I guess
0: what does it mean to the guys on your team now when you, when you have a chance to get back there? I know it's about Jabari and Walker, but I am curious about uh, the team now seeing two guys that they've played with. A lot of them now go in the top 22. You know, it's not just, a guy a couple of years ago in Okoro. It's two guys that they just played with going to the top 20. What's, what do you think that'll do to them heading into next season?
2: Well, I could tell you, like, for example, I do believe that, like, both Jabari and Walker are grateful for their teammates because without their teammates, Jabari Walker wouldn't be here in Brooklyn today getting picked two in 22. Uh, like, for example, you know, it was the Breakfast Club with Wendell and Jabari and a couple other guys. And Jabari's never going to forget that Breakfast Club. He wasn't in there by himself. He was in there with a couple of his coaches, and he was in there with 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 Wendell and, and several of his teammates. And that's something they're going to remember forever. And and certainly Walker had his his posse, his teammates that that supported him, and 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 and, and they hung out, they did things together, and and, and obviously to, together they they won a championship. Um, I do think it gives the guy's confidence that to see what's possible, um, you know, this is now, uh, you know, because I consider Walker a one-and-done. This is now five one and duns in three years at Auburn, um, and every one of those guys worked at it. Every one of those guys, stop and think about Isaac Coro, JT Thor, Sharif Cooper, Jabari, and Walker. All of them are gym rats, all of them wanted to be pros, all of them trained like pros. They were all from Atlanta. And uh, and they came to Auburn and, and 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 they lived their dream. Hey, what does this say to an Auburn student? You're a student at Auburn, and you got SUNY Lee, you know, and you got you know Sonny DeSharon or Tank's Bigsby or Jabari Smith. It just tells our students: you come to Auburn, you can do anything.
4: All right, guys
0: got time for Pre- appreciate the, uh, yeah, we've got, we've got, a uh, uh, Bruce Pearl there. We're going to take a break in, in just a, uh, in, in just a, uh, in just a moment. We're going to have Jake Crane from the, uh, from the, from Crane and Company joining us bottom of the hour to have the, uh, yeah, gl- glad we could run some of that with, with Bruce Pearl talking about some of the Auburn athletes that have had ex, outstanding seasons. Now, I, I would caution, I mean, Sonny DeShara and Sunny Lee were already All-Americans are national champions before they came to Auburn. But, I mean, not that Auburn doesn't deserve some credit, too. I mean, Sunni Lee already had the gold medal. But but it's, uh, I mean, but it is, it is, uh, it is... Important. I mean to point out what an outstanding year, certainly individually, that 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 some Auburn athletes have had uh, this year. Not just Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler going in the first round of the NBA draft, but but yes, Suni Lee uh, having uh, the you know following her Olympic performance uh, with with the season she had at Auburn and, and Auburn gymnastics going to the the championship and uh, Sunny DeShera becoming a consensus All American and and not just a consensus All American, but also a uh, I can't help. I have to imagine being the first baseball player uh, being picked for Tiger Takes on the drive every Wednesday uh, here on ESPN 1067. I have to imagine that played uh, some role in, uh, in, in Sonny DeShara uh, getting, getting, getting uh, you know, the, the, the different voters. They were influenced. The voters uh, for the All American were, were influenced uh, by, by Sonny DeShera's uh, well received appearances on this show but yeah Bruce uh, taking every opportunity to sort of allow the spotlight to shine on other parts of Auburn as well as as the as the accomplishments of his basketball team and and yeah uh, some uh, some uh, just just a few of the accomplished athletes uh, that that Auburn had this year that that Bruce uh, uh, mentions in his uh, in in his in his answer there to uh, to the uh, the remarkable season uh, the remarkable year uh, that Auburn University athletics had even if uh, you know, the, the football team, uh, you know, the record's uh, not on the side of 500 people. People want it. That's still, you know, it's still possible to have a, uh, a great year, especially when, when some of the other teams achieve uh, the way they had. We're going to talk with Jake Crane from Crane & Company. When we come back, lots of different things to discuss with Jake. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Drive.
1: with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and silicaga To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390 toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com Welcome back in
0: bottom of the hour you're in hour number 2 on the Tuesday edition of the Drive Dan Peck in the Wild Business Studio Bill Cameron on vacation he's uh, he's at the beach for the week he'll be back uh, next week as we uh, as as we resume programming following the July 4th holiday no drive on Friday no drive on Monday uh, but we'll be back in full force uh, next week counting down the days until SEC Media Days, and then football season just around the corner. I should have some uh, some commitments, some uh, recruiting news as well in the uh, in the next few uh, days and weeks as the uh, days tick away uh, this uh, this summer. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety the number to dial. But we're going to put the phone calls on hold for just a moment and reach out to one of our friends, the host of Crane and Company. The wildly successful podcast that it is. Jake Crane joins us. How you doing, Jake? I say us. Drew's in the studio, too. It's just me you're talking to today, Jake.
4: Yeah, well, you know, shout out Drew, too. Shout out to Drew. But, no, uh, it's uh, it's good, good to be here, man. And uh, football season's getting closer. I hate... You know, I miss Bill, but I love that he's at the beach. Uh, and if he's listening, drink a cold soda for me, Bill.
0: Yeah, he's listening. I, I, I get, I get periodic updates on, on weeks like this when I don't do well. So no, it's, I know he's listening. No, so, uh, so before we get into some college football news, Ole Miss takes the College World Series. We've been asking you about baseball uh, throughout the uh, throughout the postseason and during the conference uh, season as well. But in a year where uh, you know Tennessee was the story for much of the season, as as dominant as they were in the regular season. Uh, Ole Miss caught fire, and and you know they they bring a national championship to Oxford, first men's team. If you don't count those honky tonk national championships that they claim at Ole Miss, and I don't, uh, the, uh, the the first uh, national championship by a men's team in the in the history of Ole Miss athletics. What can you say about the postseason run uh, for the Rebs?
4: Well, you know, there's a lot to kind of unpack with Ole Miss because they were getting ready to fire Mike Bianco about a month month and a half ago, and now they're going to build a statue of him outside. So it's just amazing. Baseball is an amazing game anyways. It can always flip. But, you know, I, I think if, if you look the way they did it, I, I was so excited for Tim Elko and those guys that decided to come back. And, you know, they have a sub-500 conference record and end up getting hot at the right time, which we've seen happen. You see it happen uh, in in the regionals and Super Regional and then College World Series, and then you see it in March Madness and the NCAA Tournament. So, you know, I, I think it's a great story. But, look, the state of Mississippi owns college baseball right now, Dan. I mean, Mississippi State won it the year before. Ole Miss wins it. I mean, hell, if you're Southern Miss, you got to be feeling really good about twenty twenty
0: three going into a pretty good baseball league, the Sun Belt, the uh, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles yeah. next year too. With that, which had you know coastal and uh, South Alabama, pretty good baseball program that you're familiar yeah. with. I mean, there's some decent. Yeah. They play some pretty good baseball in that in that league, and uh, and uh, and and Southern Miss will fit right in uh, with with some of the other teams uh, in the belt. Uh, as for Auburn. A, a great season uh, in in the uh, on the, on the baseball diamond. It falls short at the College World Series, but you can only be so disappointed when your team uh, loses yeah. in the College World Series. And for Butch Thompson and his team, I mean, we, we asked Sonny to share about this, Jake, and and I, I'd love your thoughts. In college athletics now, the players are going to change year after year. I mean, it's it's a it's a I mean, it's it, it's a year by year basis sort of sport now, and what you want to have confidence in are are the decision makers and and the people that even if the names on the rosters change, you know they're they're going to be able to have their team in a position to win every single season. And it seems like Butch Thompson fits the bill as that kind of baseball coach.
4: Yeah, it's called culture. It's called culture. Uh, it's you know one of the three pillars of, of having a successful college po- uh, program. It's it's your recruiting, it's your development, and it's your culture. Uh, culture maintains. You know, young guys go into a program and see the way the older guys do things, see what's expected of them, see the standard, understand the work that it takes to get there, and every day the price goes up uh, and it becomes like a machine. I mean, you, just like Alabama in football and, and some of these other teams that are able to sustain success. It's a formula. You just have to figure out the right numbers, and Butch Thompson has figured that out in baseball You know, you have a lot more parody in baseball than you have in a lot of other sports. So to me, it's a lot harder, and we all know the ball can bounce in funny ways. It just goes to show you that Butch has built a program that can not only go out there and get the best players, but it can get the best out of every player. And when you have a program that's able to do that, you have a program that will not only maintain and survive, but thrive in what is the Mount Everest of college baseball, the Southeastern Conference. He's not doing this in the whack. You know, he's not doing this somewhere where baseball isn't king. Baseball is king in the Southeast. We play year-round around here. So to me, it's another feather in the cap of Butch Thompson.
0: Which moves towards uh, the upcoming college football season because there are several coaches in the SEC that have that have learned – uh, the hard way uh, the difference between uh, the way the sport is maybe played in other conferences in college football and the expectations uh, in the SEC uh, and, and especially in the SEC uh, in in this day and age and and something uh, that, that that I won't shut up about Jake and I would love your thoughts on it uh, so so com published a uh, you know their results they they surveyed uh, the SIDs in the SEC and got projected order of finish uh, for the for the upcoming season and in the division and uh, so the, the, the way it works is you're not allowed to vote for your own team. And, in the, you know, for, for Georgian and, and Alabama's SIDs, that makes picking a division champion a, a little bit tougher because you're, you're, you represent sort of the consensus uh, pick in the division. If you were Alabama's SID and you had to pick someone to win the SEC West this year and you weren't allowed to pick Alabama, who gets your vote?
4: I'm going to Arkansas. Uh, look, I, I think Arkansas is going to finish second in the West. I think they're going to go 6-2 and two in the league. When you return both your coordinators, when you return a quarterback that we know can be effective, is only getting better. What K.J. Jefferson was able to do improving in the intermediate passing game last year, I saw a huge jump than the year before. I expect an even bigger jump. He's able to be a guy that can do it on the ground. I see the fastest guy out there No, but he knows Kendall Brown's offense. He knows the pace of it. He knows the terminology, and he's really another offensive coordinator. So the new guys that have come in there really get to learn from two coordinators, including one of them that's throwing them the, uh, that's throwing them the ball. Kendall's already a witch. You give him a quarterback that knows his the system, then he becomes a wizard. So uh, I love what Arkansas has up front. They're returning some guys on defense. I know they lost Traylon Burks outside, but that's where recruiting comes in. And I think Arkansas has recruited to their identity about as good as anybody in the country. And it's easy to do that when you have maybe the best fit as a head coach in the country in Sam Pittman. So I I like Arkansas, you know, I look at their schedule. They got a and M the first SEC game. I believe it's at AT AT&T, uh, I just, I really believe in what they're doing down there in Fayetteville.
0: Yeah. And, and Pittman, it's, it's remarkable to think about what Pittman inherited, right? And, and the program, you know, the state of that program going into the 2020 season, uh, his first year. I mean, they, they were on a double digit conference losing streak, uh, when, when Sam Pittman took that job. And the thought that they might be, and I'm not saying I disagree with you, Jake. The thought that they might be, uh, the second best team in the SEC West this year, uh, it, you know, is, is a real, credit to uh, the, the job that he's been able to do, holding that thing together and, and uh, getting them through uh, the worst part of, of the storm of, of whatever it was yeah. that, that he got there. But, but isn't it, I mean, it, it feels unusual for me that you look at the SEC West and things are so bunched up because you're used to a, a doormat, right? You're used to a team that you look at and you say, they're going to really struggle to, to win games. And maybe there is that team. Right, but it does feel like a lot of people may have you know, different ideas about who that team is going to be. In that poll I just referenced, uh, four different teams in the SEC West uh, received at least one vote to finish in last place: LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Auburn. Auburn got two votes uh, to finish in last place in the SEC West this year. I mean, it is. I mean, it, it's uh, it, it's it's high stakes in, in the division, and someone's going to have to finish well below expectations. Yeah.
4: Look, there's going to be a pretty good 2-6 and six team in the league coming out of the West. I mean, it's as, it's as thick as it's ever been. Now, I, obviously, Alabama, to me, I, I think, you know, again, I, I, know, I'm, I know where I'm, I'm on in the radio, but I don't think it's crazy to see, think Alabama's going to go undefeated and win the national championship. I mean, to me, this is one of the best teams that they've had, you know, returning Bryce and Will and, and the other guys. But, you know, when, when you look at the Ole Misses with Jackson Dart coming over, I'm interested to see how they are defensively. That's what I want to see with Ole Miss. I don't ever worry about offense with Lane and that system. Even though Levy went to Oklahoma, look at Mississippi State. I mean, shoot, Will Rogers was seventy four percent last year uh, and his completion percentage was. It's probably it's freaking it's, ridiculous. It's
0: probably the best and, the best game ever played at Jordan Hare Stadium, statistically speaking. Look, and, and, the win the win at Auburn is probably the best game any quarterbacks ever played at Jordan Hare yeah, Stadium, and Will Rogers is back.
4: Yeah. Yeah, Auburn Auburn, yeah, Auburn yeah, played two quarters, and then they made an excuse and said it was the fans' fault, which is ridiculous. Go win the game. The fans aren't playing the game. But, uh, you know, when you look at what Mississippi State does, people say, oh, it's because of the air raid. Well, listen, if it was that easy, everybody would be throwing 75% completion percentages out there. It's it's a style of offense. Will's just making the right decisions. Uh, and, and, again, just up and down the league, Dan, like you said. There's no nights off. You know, we always talk about now in SEC basketball how there's not a night off. Uh, at home or in the road? Well, they're sure as take in a night off in the SEC West. Yeah, we we talked we uh, talked football. about
0: the we talked about the SEC West a lot without saying the word LSU, right? So I mean that that tells you oh, how yeah, wide uh, well, open how wide open this division is this year because there's only a team that on paper, if you were to look at uh, what these guys were as recruits. Right? I mean, LSU's probably in the top four or five in the league in, in, in overall talent on the roster. Uh, but because things are so, you know, th- things uh, went went the way they did last year and there's so many uh, new pieces, no one has any idea what sort of team uh, they're going to be in, in the division this year.
4: Look, I got four teams going four and four in the West. I mean, I, I think we could legitimately see it. Uh, I mean, you're, to me, you're going to see a lot of teams hold serve at home. Uh, it's going on the road that, that's going to be pretty tough because, again, you know, it's one thing to go play a good team on the road. That's hard enough. But when you go on the road in the SEC West, I mean, you're going to environments. I mean, you're you're going to the show. So whether it's A&M, whether it's LSU, whether it's Arkansas, whether it's Ole Miss, whether it's Auburn, whether it's Mississippi State, you're going to have to be able to strap it in and fight every night and not only fight but fight clean. So, you know, when you look at the scheduling, you know, this year especially, if you're out doing preseason predictions – Look at the stretches where you go three to four games without a bye week because there's going to be some bloodletting that goes on between those weeks, I can promise you.
0: Right. There's, there's a, a three-week stretch that caught my eye for Auburn in that sense is, uh, is LSU at home, then at Georgia, then at Ole Miss, uh, back to back to back. I mean, yeah. I, I'd say that, that's, that's on paper is one of the tougher stretches uh, and anybody's got depending on. I mean, it depends on what LSU is. I would, I would, I would recommend as a longtime observer of this conference, don't count them out right some sometimes talent yo, wins, yo. and they've got a couple of guys, including a, a head coach that have been around for, yeah. so, so they've been around success
4: you know regardless of what anybody tells you, talent wins, it's just the team that has the most talent that coach the best wins that typically that's that's how it goes so look, there's a lot of guys that know ball and can call plays and do stuff, and the players aren't good enough, it doesn't matter like again you're it, it doesn't matter, but lSU. The state school, we all know, they build a fence around that place. They won a national championship with Edward Geron and then Les Miles, who I don't know if he ate more of the grass or smoked mm. more of the grass over there. So if they can do it, it's kind of scary to think about what Brian Kelly can do.
0: Well, I was I was a fan of Daniels too, the the quarterback coming in from Arizona State. I mean, earlier in his career, he seemed like he was destined for really special things, and I mean that thing went. It's insane yeah. that Herm Edwards is still the head coach. <laughs> At Arizona State yeah. it's 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 completely it's it's unthinkable that he's been able to survive and I can't imagine he yeah. survives and keeps his job after this season uh if if uh yeah, I mean but then again you don't know uh but I'm willing to give Jaden Daniels a pass right for for sort of a lot of what went wrong at Arizona State I'm I'm interested to see if he can resurrect his career and and sort of change the narrative on a different team but it's I mean, the you were just—I uh, mean, the the defenses don't get easier uh, making the jump from Arizona State to, uh, to LSU. So some of it's going to be on uh, Jane Daniels to improve, but but he'll have the opportunity. That that's a team that that's sort of caught my eye in the SEC West, and uh, and then there's Auburn. Right, you you look you look, and that's uh, you know in, in this mix, uh, there's an Auburn team that feels really good about some of the defensive pieces that decided to come back. You still got Tank Bigsby in the backfield. You know what can you do uh, with a passing offense that's moving on from uh, from Bo Nicks and uh, and and what do you get out of a bunch of receivers that are at least at this point more potential than proven? Right.
4: Yeah, look, it, you know me. I'm not going to beat around the bush. This this isn't going to be the sexiest team to watch play. Okay, this this is a team that, that, number one, they've got to be able to run the ball, and I know they're returning guys on the offensive line, and I hope that they've improved a lot and that experience pays off. But if they're not able to run the ball, I, I feel like they're going to struggle offensively. Now, the, the defense, there's some spots you can lean on. You bring back some guys, the Derek Halls, you know, go down the list. But offensively, Auburn is going to have to be a run-to-pass, true pro-style offense with the personnel they have at quarterback. So, I think you're going to see a lot of different formations. I think you're going to see a lot of twelve personnel because the tight end room's really good, and Brian Harson does know how to use them. But they're going to be a run first offense that features Tank Bigsby. You know, hopefully uh, Jarquez Hunter can come back from that injury pretty quickly, which we know nowadays is doable. But it-, it won't be the prettiest. They just got to take care of the ball. You got to play good on defense and good on special teams. So uh, they're going to be in a dogfight. They got that AU on the side of their helmet. They're going to play their guts out. Uh, and, and lay it out in the field, but you know I think it's going to be a year where where every game's probably going to be tough. Like I don't think there's going to be a bunch of blowouts this year. So uh, that can be to buckle up and get ready for it. That
0: can be fun as a, as a fan to watch a lot of competitive games, but
4: Dan, it, it, Dan, Dan, no, no, I want to win every game by forty. You can, I'll never. I'm oh, saying okay. Auburn fan to all the Auburn fans out there, Dan. Yeah. we may have the hardest job ever. Because guess what? It's always tough. I would love just for once, for once, just to drill people by thirty and thirty five, just to, you know, see what it's like to not have to almost puke at different points in every game. That that would be great. Yeah, I mean I, I see
0: the appeal of that, but I'm also, you know, I mean I'm I no, I, I love drama I'm like I love drama.
4: I'm like T N T. i am like I love then, drama. You know what? <laughs> then you're masochistic then. Then that's that's a you that's a you thing. And uh, again, look. I guess you know some people just you know I, you're adrenaline junkie. I I'm guess. not. Hey, I'm not. I'm not
0: saying I want 2012. All right. I'm saying I love. Yeah. I you love a. You comp- go skydiving
4: a lot, Dan. You go skydiving. You go free climbing a lot. Skydiving, like you just. Yeah, you know, like, that I, this, this is how
0: this this these are how I get my thrills. I, I don't. I, I'm not allowed to jump the Snake River Canyon. So I'm going So I just. Uh, I hope Auburn plays exciting, thrilling football <laughs> games. Jake, tell everybody how they can find the outstanding work you do.
4: Yeah, man, we're uh, we're we're and Company. We're on YouTube. You can go sub to our page at C-R-A-I-N and Company. Uh, we're on Apple Podcast, Spotify, talking a ton of college football. Just had Kevin Falk on today from LSU. Uh, got uh, Philip Rivers coming on this week. Really excited. Patrick Willis coming on this week as well. So it's getting about that time. Uh, we dropped our top five quarterbacks uh, in the country today. Uh, go check it out. Tell us what you think. You want to yell at me and scream quick. at me? That's okay. My quick. fiance does that enough anyway. Oh,
0: quick, Philip Rivers question, Jake. Um, do you think high school football is his last stop as a coach, or do you think this is a guy who could be climbing no. the ranks to uh, to other things in uh, in in his uh, in his post football playing career?
4: No, I I have a weird feeling. You know, Philip Philip is one of the most motivated and disciplined people you will ever see. Uh, I think. He loves to compete. You, if anybody ever watched him play, I mean, he's the most competitive guy in the world. I think he, I think he'll be a college OC before it's said and done. Because I got a buddy that coaches with him in high school, and he said he's he's on fire. He said he's on. He said he coaches just like he played.
0: Yeah, I mean, not 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 shocking to hear. And as someone who remembers, I mean, I remember Philip Rivers at NC State. Like it, it's not yeah. this isn't this isn't all that uh, all that surprising to hear. Great stuff as always, Jake. We will talk to you again soon.
4: All right. See you later, Dan. Bill, enjoy the beach, brother.
0: That's right. You heard heard him there, Bill. Enjoy the beach. Jake Crane from Crane & Company joining us as he does every Tuesday here on The Drive. We'll be back with more. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of The
1: Drive. The drive continues continues, continues. continues. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Silicaga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in.
0: Final segment of the show. I believe I said the Tuesday edition of The Drive like three times in 15 seconds to close out the previous uh, segment. So we'll uh, we'll leave that off of the best of. Uh, Jake Crane from, uh, from Crane & Company was our guest in hour number two. Great stuff. Uh, from Jake, uh, we talked to Barrett Salih from CBS Sports and Sirius XM in Hour number 1. Uh, if you missed either of those interviews, check out the podcast. Search for The Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform. And you should find it ESPNAU.com, AUnetwork.com. Both ways you can get to our podcast center. Another show tomorrow. I think Jason Caldwell is also on vacation decompressing from Omaha but we will find a way to string a show together nevertheless. For Drew at the Controls, doing a great job as always. This is Dan Peck. Thanks for listening. Good night.